There you go, Bruce. Okay. Well, um, we have a couple review lessons today, which is uh, lesson 112. And uh, we've already covered those a bit, so I thought I'd, I'd kind of review them briefly. But uh, uh, lesson 112 has for the, refu the review of two lessons, Light and Joy and Peace Abide in Me, which is 93. And it goes, I am the home of light and joy and peace. I welcome them into the home I share with God because I'm a part of him. And as we know, well, which we'll get into in a moment, <laughs> he, he uses this as an opportunity to point out the contrast between what we really are and what we think what we are <laughs> is the home of evil, darkness, and sin. That uh, now classic cliche line, <laughs> right? <laughs> and then uh, 94, which is, I am as God created me. I will remain forever as I was created by the changeless like himself. And I am one with him and he with me. And those are very, you know, affirmative statements about our, our true reality, kind of level one statements, I suppose, you could say. Um, but uh, 93, in particular, really immediately dives in, as, as we recall, to um, uh, the, the difference between <laughs> sometimes the, the, you know, the gaping gulf. <laughs> it's, really, it's really a little gap, but it's, we think of it as this enormous canyon between uh, the capitalist self we really are and the little less self that we believe ourselves to be. So in lesson 93, after the title gives us a, as, as uh, we've learned, uh, you know, a great hint at what's to come, uh, he immediately says, well, you've got some remedial work to do <laughs> because <laughs> you think you are the home of evil, darkness, and sin. You think if anyone could see the truth about you, he would re be repelled, recalling from you as if from a poisonous snake. You think if what is true about you were revealed to you, you would be struck with horror so intense that you would rush to death by your own hand, living on after seeing this being impossible. So, <laughs> right off the bat there. Uh, I, I looked up cognitive dissonance on Wikipedia. Is anyone familiar with that term? I, I think it's really useful because it really, it's a psychological term that uh, I think really, you know, nails it. And Wikipedia's definition says, in the field of psychology, cognitive dissonance occurs when a person holds two or more contradictory beliefs, ideas, or values, or participates in an action that goes against one of these three, and experiences psychological stress because of that. According to this theory, when two actions or ideas are not psychologically consistent with each other, people do all in their power to change them until they become consistent. And of course, that applies to both the ego and the Holy Spirit, both doing everything they can <laughs> to reinforce their respective thought systems. The discomfort is triggered by the person's belief clashing with new information perceived, wherein they try to find a way to resolve the contradiction to reduce their discomfort. And it goes on from there. But I thought, well, that's a pretty, pretty good starting point because, you know, the, the, the belief is really the cause. And, and that's you know, the belief in separation, because uh, of course, Miracles tells us, you know, it's a pure non-dual thought system. There are ab absolutely anything other than pure non-duality is something we're dreaming. And so anything that comes to us from the dream that causes discomfort can be traced back to that one decision in the mind to believe in the silly, seemingly separate self's idea of separation. <laughs> so I thought what might be interesting to do is, um, um, I did a little search 
I don't have a big red here uh, in California with me, but I do have the Miracle Distribution Center website, which has a great little search tool. And I found plenty of things. Uh, there's 21 references in the course that it can find, uh, the three volumes uh, to the word fight. So um, I, I thought I'd start with um, uh, chapter 23 and uh, uh, the irreconcilable beliefs, because that's, that's really, uh, it seemed like a really good place to, to look at, the, you know, the really the core issue and in the very first section of chapter 23, it says, the memory of God comes to the quiet mind. It cannot come where there is conflict, for a mind at war against itself remembers not eternal gentleness. Right off the bat, it's kind of like slowing the mind down. <laughs> Does anyone experience that when you read sentences like that? You kind of like, oh, yeah, eternal gentleness. I mean, if we just kind of let those, those words soak in and, and realize that that's really what we want, um, you know, then the cognitive dissonance is real obvious and, and we you know, can contrast that with the stuff that we do in our everyday minds, uh, running around doing stuff. Uh, I, I did a little, you know, pharmacy and grocery run for my mom this morning and then I just got a text from my sister saying that, you know, just like, you know, five minutes ago said saying that uh, uh, she thinks that her husband may have the symptoms of COVID-19. So, you know, there's all this stuff that's, and they're doing the isolation thing at home and, you know, all these things just like tempting us to get really, you know, involved and identified with the stuff in the world. And it doesn't mean we don't respond appropriately and with kindness and, and you know, with the guidance that we're, we're given to do whatever we can within the context of the dream to you know, respond with kindness. But if we can remember that we always have that teacher 24 seven, 365 that guides us back to that eternal gentleness, that peace. Um, that's I think pretty important. Any thoughts on that so far? No. Okay. Well, I'll go on. <laughs> um, let me read that first sentence over again, because I think it really is helpful. The memory of God comes to the quiet mind. It cannot come where there is conflict, for a mind at war against itself remembers not eternal gentleness. The means of war are not the means of peace, and what the warlike would remember is not love. War is impossible unless belief in victory is cherished. And of course, for there to be a victory, there has to be you know, a victor and a vanquished. There has to be you know, duality. And I think that's why, you know, the Course says, you know, consciousness is the beginning of, of duality because as long as there's an other, then there's a conflict. And, and the Holy Spirit is leading us through the practice of forgiveness to the place in our mind that we really never left that re remembers and knows somewhere deep inside our mind that, um, Duality is just a silly game we made up, and it's <laughs> it's really pretty pathetic when we look at it. Not in any condemning way, but just kind of if you can kind of you know. I, I try to remember throughout the day to just look at all the stuff that I do and the stuff that I that I think you know my life is about, and just kind of take it with a not not a grain of salt, but a, you know a giant block of salt <laughs> as, much, as much as I can, and just say, wow. I mean. 
all the things that I think are important within a week or a year or a decade or two, they're going to seem like I was upset about that. You know, I was all, you know, wrapped around the axle about this and that and the other. And, you know, all the conflicts and all the, all the, the conflicting goals and the, and the, the, the craziness really, it seems like it all stems back to that one decision. And yet we keep covering it over with things uh, in the world, whether it's other people or circumstances, whether it's a virus or the world finances or, or isolation or, or, you know, an email or a text or a, or a phone call or, you know, it's countless things that can seem to disrupt our peace, but they're really um, in disguise. Uh, I, I was remembering this morning, you know, the, the classic line, you know, of all the things that you, I'm going to paraphrase it because I usually <laughs> do that. Of all the many causes of your suffering, you know, your guilt wasn't among them kind of thing. And it's like, yeah, that's not usually where we, we go to, but, but ultimately that's what I think our guidance reminds us is that all the wars that we seem to fight, all the battles that seem to, to, you know, uh, uh, confront us really are nothing more than um, the, the unwillingness to look with, without condemnation, but with the Holy Spirit and our unconscious, unfounded guilt and use the forgiveness classroom to let it go. And so, so we need all those grievances as feedback to get back to the mind and, and look at the stuff that's coming up moment to moment and just say, oh, I could choose peace instead of this. And I'm not upset for the reason I think. Hi, uh, oh, go ahead, Dan. Um, Peggy Lee, did you have a question or a comment before? Oh, no, I didn't. I was my, um, I'm just using this phone, which I don't know how to use. And I was trying to, to see everybody because I lost everybody. And now I'm oh. good. Oh, okay. Very good. Thanks. Okay. All right. Bruce, I had a comment about uh, <clears throat> the uh, cognitive dissonance. Okay. Like, you know, the, the ego itself is in conflict, mm -hmm. and that's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And so the cognitive dissonance itself is in conflict, and that's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. So both of those things push us toward wanting ever greater peace. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so we get clues everywhere, don't we? I mean, yeah, moment to moment to moment, anything that's less than perfect peace is, can be used as a way to get back to the mind, and particularly to the decision-making faculty in the mind that looks past the, the, the form and gets back to the place in the mind where we know that it's at some level, it's, it's not about anyone else, anything else. It's always about um, a choice that I made to, be, to believe that I'm separate. It's not even the, it's not even the, the, uh, the, yeah. <laughs> it's not even that the, uh, the specific ideas, it's just the, the belief that we think that's possible. We don't, uh, I was thinking how we don't get up in the morning thinking we're going to war. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, we don't use those words, but we certainly get out of bed thinking about, I mean, if we're in ego mode, you know, what needs to be done, who needs to be fixed. <laughs> Who the bad guys are? <laughs> who are the bad guys from last night's news? <laughs> exactly. What did they do today? <laughs> Whatever. Mm -hmm. Who isn't doing what they should be doing? Whatever. But but yeah, I mean, it's pretty literal. Calling it war. <laughs> we fire up the blame thrower at every opportunity, even though you know, or maybe it's maybe it's a sword. Pick pick your weapon, but you know, 
that the Holy Spirit always keeps gently asking, you know, um, so how did that sword get back in your hand? You know, <laughs> how did that blame thrower, you know, dripping little little drops of fire, you know, ready for the next kill? <laughs> how did that yeah, get back in my hand? Oh, well, maybe, maybe I put it there because no one else did. <laughs> At the same time, Bruce, uh, I really appreciate your referencing this section because it, the lighthearted approach in this and uh, about this crazy mad idea of the war with God kind of gets con uh, condensed in the next paragraph and God thinks otherwise. Yeah, do you want to read that so, paragraph? I, I kind of like how he encapsulates that you, you may think this is a war and this is a big deal, but nah, maybe not. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> do you want to read that paragraph, Jonathan? Oh, okay. Sure. Okay. <clears throat> Do you not realize a war against yourself would be a war on God? Is victory conceivable? And if it were, is this a victory that you would want? The death of God, if it were possible, would be your death. Is this a victory? The ego always marches to defeat because it thinks that triumph over you is possible. And God thinks otherwise. <laughs> This is no war, only the mad belief the will of God can be attacked and overthrown. You may identify with this belief, but never will it be more than madness. And fear will reign in madness and will seem to have replaced love there. This is the conflict's purpose, and to those who think that it is possible, the means seem real. Kind of leaves you on a cliffhanger, so I don't know if we can stop there. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, the word that jumped out at me as you were reading that was, was purpose. And, and I was thinking, that's one of the things that in one of Ken Wapnick's audios, we were hearing, you know, he, he was talking about, you know, Eastern mysticism that talks about the world being illusion. And, you know, it, the Eastern tradition covers that pretty well and gives us, a, you know, at least part of the foundation. But what the Course adds to it is the purpose of nature of the ego. And, and that's basically is to obscure and, and to hide... Um, our mindfulness that allows us to see not only see the e the illusion and then the ego's complicity in fabricating that dream, but also to see that it was made by that unconscious, unfounded guilt. And if and if we can look, you know, at that and not cringe, <laughs> and just just see that it's silly. Ultimately, it's 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 not evil, sinful, or wicked. You know, like like that opening line of Workbook Lesson ninety three suggests. It's it's just silly. Um, like Ken says, though, it's, it's purposive and that, that we think um, we, you know, made up this world and we did it because we think we threw God under the bus. We think we shattered perfect oneness and destroyed the, the pure non-dual reality that we all share. And thinking that, even if, even if it's just partly unconscious, although I think for most of us, <laughs> we're showing, I think it's unconscious most of the time. <laughs> until we start really looking at all the stuff that comes back to us as feedback from that the feedback and see this like, okay, this is just a, a wake up call to show me that I've, I'm still believing in the unconscious unfounded guilt. And, and that it, that is perfect. That's the ego's purpose is to keep us mindless and to keep the curtain drawn. The, the uh, just to point out, Ken Wapnick um, said, you know, there were a lot of things in the course that pushed Helen Shuckman's buttons. But this one really did. The, the line Jonathan pointed out, and God thinks otherwise. So in the midst of all this seeming war and conflict and virus, finances crashing and oil prices dropping, 
and and then he, he would throw in that line and God thinks otherwise and Helen would go crazy. <laughs> like any good healthy ego would go crazy. Yeah, but look at what's happening. Yeah, but look at this and this and this and this. Exactly. Of course, the ultimate would be that God knows nothing about any of it, nor does he think about it much. <laughs> so that's that kind of blows the, uh, uh, the whole... Uh, idea of sin, guilt, and fear are kind of out the window, because uh, if God really did involve himself with any of it, then I would be in trouble. Exactly. If this were the real world, God would be cruel. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Which is not, not something that I would probably uh, say to a beginning course student. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I mean, it's it's, it's right. tough for all of us to handle that, you know, because we, we really think that there's some, yeah. some mileage we're going to get left in the world, you know, well, if I just try this approach, you know, maybe I can make the world work yeah. a little better for me and, and then it'll, it'll, it'll make me happy. You know? <laughs> it's also like uh, Gary Renard mentions, I think in the disappearance of the universe, uh, he found it a happy thought that God had nothing to do with all the craziness in the world, because now you can have a sane God to go back home to. Exactly. It, there is quite an adjustment to blaming God for all the stuff that we think is going on in, in, in a dream. So not to take that away too early. Is that what you're saying, Bruce? <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I think we're doing it all, all at the perfect pace. You know, we're already home yeah. to exile. So whatever pace we're doing at is fine. But the course does remind us, you know, that we're, we're wasting time, and, and, and I think you were pointing out the other day, Lynn, that you know, we deprive ourselves needlessly of opportunities to gladden ourselves. We read that one. Yeah, that's, so, that's a uh, great reminder, huh? So what would you say to a beginning course student? <laughs> it's about mind, mindfulness and kindness and, and uh, in a, a deeper level of kindness, maybe, something like that. Eternal, I, I, like eternal I, gentleness. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, I like that. I'll have to add that to my, my list of elevator speeches. Yeah. <laughs> if you start to accept this, you will not be hurled up and swept into oblivion. <laughs> so that's where the course reminds us that, you know, it's with us in that gentleness. I agree, Tim. Yeah. Uh -huh. Bill Wilson, who wrote a, a book about the 12 steps called the 12 and 12. Um, He's, and he says in there, if, if alcoholics knew what they were getting into when they came in, <laughs> they, would, they would never hang out. <laughs> they would never stay. You know, you think it's all about alcoholism. Nah, it's about challenging every belief you've ever had about anything. <laughs> it's certainly true with the course. <laughs> no, for sure. Absolutely. Anyone want to read the third paragraph of uh, chapter 23? I got it. I'm up. Be certain that it is impossible God and the ego or yourself and it will ever meet. You seem to meet and make your strange alliances on grounds that have no meaning. For your beliefs converge upon the body, the ego's chosen home, which you believe is yours. You meet at a mistake, the body, <laughs> an error on your self-appraisal. The ego joins with an illusion of yourself you share with, you share with it, and yet illusions cannot join. They are the same, and they are nothing. Their joining lies in nothingness. Two are as meaningless as one or as a thousand. The ego joins with nothing, being nothing. The victory it seeks is meaningless as is itself. 
No wonder Ken said this was the worst chapter in the whole book. <laughs> Is that what he said? With, oh, with no relief at all. <laughs> Just bam and then bam. <laughs> oh, well. Well, for, fortunately, we can go back to love and peace and joy, you know, like peace and joy vitamin, right? <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, it, it is just challenging, but you know, you know, we're here to to do that work, and it, it's a it's a major discipline to to really look at our minds. But boy, the benefits! I, I've been thinking a lot about you know, uh, well, Dave and I in particular have been listening to a lot of uh, you know just brilliant um, concert pianists online and, and sharing links and things. And uh, you know, it could be any any profession or any any gift or, or art that you you see and admire someone who's really mastered their craft. But you think about the discipline required to attain that level of proficiency. And in a sense, I think Jesus is saying, "Hey," and even the Bible didn't mess that one up too bad. You know, these things I do, you too shall do, and greater. Right? And so, in other words, if if we're actually in this program, and He says that we're equals, He just happens to have accepted nothing but uh, Holy Spirit's curriculum, and and we're still you know waffling, <laughs> we're still working with that cognitive dissonance, and and moment to moment saying, well yeah okay I'll try a little more, and then and then we go back to thinking we're going to get some kind of mileage or some kind of benefit out of the ego strategy, and we keep you know picking up the sword again and say oh gosh you know that really isn't that much fun, <laughs> and eventually we you know learn to generalize and see that that's not working out for us. But, uh, there's a there's a a young group of singers online and they're singing True Colors, um, the song by Cindy Lauper. And it really feels like when I hear it, um, that it's Jesus singing to me. Like, you know, you think you're in this darkness and, and you think you're in this war <laughs> with me. <laughs> and you think, you know, you're walking around with sad eyes, uh, kind of obsessed with all this seeming darkness. And yet I see your true colors. I, I see the light of God shining through you. Mm -hmm. It's really beautifully done. <laughs> I watch and I'm, I'm just so touched every time I hear it. And I, I feel like it's G Jesus singing it to me, singing it to all of us, especially in the midst of all this craziness. Can, can so you if you haven't it? seen it, check it out on okay. YouTube. Okay. Maybe you know, it just, it just occurred to me that, you know, I have moments where I, I you know, see that, you know, where I'm starting to get where everything is communicating with me, God is in, you know, and uh, you just reminded me of that, like to really realize God is communicating to me all the time and through everything. It's, it's, it's always um, helping me. Yeah. And whether I realize it or not. Um, so if I could transfer that feeling like you're talking about that, if I could transfer that, like those, those really amazing moments where there's a song and you roll and then just to transfer that to everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What, what a concept, huh? <laughs> yeah. And, and that, that I think is really, you know, what we're being asked, you know, not to do all at once, but to, to gradually, you know, look at how, miserable the egos made us and use the cognitive dissonance from that and then use that as a motivation for a, a gentle an eternally gentle discipline um, that really just says i don't have to be a masochist i don't have to be a martyr i don't have to be a victim i can i can see peace instead of this and we could use like you were saying susan every single opportunity 
as, as a trigger or a mnemonic device or a way to get back to the mind. And then particularly that decision maker that says, I, I really only have um, one decision to make between two thought systems or two teachers. And one of them is completely insane, 100% insane, and never leads to peace when I look at it accurately and assess it honestly. And the other is completely sane and always leads to peace. And so if we can, you know, I, I find, you know, little, little uh, acronyms and mnemonic devices helpful. Like I, I use GIST as one, guilt, individuality, space, and time. I figure if anything involves any of those four, uh, guilt, individuality, space, or time, and I'm making a big deal out of any of those things, of course, guilt being the whole thought system of sin, guilt, fear, and, and ego's shenanigans. Um, in any of those things, it can be clues that I'm betting on the wrong dead horse again. <laughs> so, you know, and it, but it could be, a, you know, a song lyric. It could be, um, you know, just something that, anything that, that triggers something um, can be a reminder to, to look at the, the opportunity to see there's two thought systems going on, and I can always use... Um, those is, is a triggering device. So does anyone else have favorite mechanisms for that? Um, Bruce, I wondered, you you were talking about a mnemonic device? Uh-huh. Is that how you spell it? Like a, uh, it's it's M-M-N-E-M-O-N-I-C. It's just something to jog your memory. In other words, oh. it, it, could be, it could be anything. Um, that, I like acronyms. Yeah, yeah, acronyms are fun. Yeah. <laughs> but it could be, it, it could be a, a word that means something to you. Um, okay. So, Thanks. so, so a lot of times now, when I see um, the word death, for example, I think I think of birth as being the opposite, and those are both two sides of the illusion of of the space time of bodies and and things that come and go. But if I kind of put it in that perspective, it's like, oh yeah, um, you know. But so, for example, you can you can use words that you see frequently, and then. Uh, align your thinking to a course-related concept for those yeah. words. So that's yeah. something I find really helpful is just basically, you know, take something that, that lifts me out of the battleground by, by using, uh, you know, a memory training wheel kind of a thing to, to just get back to that decision-making place in the mind. When so. I think of the Holy Spirit, I think of um, a homing pigeon. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, stuff like that kind of, it's fun. Yep, exactly. I was, thinking, I was thinking about what Susan was saying. It, like, uh, when you go real world, it's like everything is a mnemonic device. <laughs> I mean, you're seeing them everywhere all the time. Exactly. <laughs> everything. <laughs> Expletives are a mnemonic device. <laughs> oh, darn. Oh, oh crap. <laughs> as long as I don't hear God's voice coming through the television, I'm okay. <laughs> Well, actually, I, I like to watch movies and TV okay. and use that as it's like, okay, which thought system am I resonating with? You know, you can watch, you know, if you happen to find yourself in a scary movie or something that, that where, where it's like ego and steroids, you can say, oh, well, look at that. Isn't, isn't that how crazy my ego is when I indulge in that and not, make, not see any differences? Gets you know? really into the observer quickly, right? Yeah, yeah, and if we, if we can nurture that observer and recognize yeah. that the part of us that's watching um, is really that decision maker, and, and if that part doesn't identify with it, if we can look without condemnation at the stuff that's going on, whether it seems to be out there in the world or in our own mind, it's really all on our own mind, and, and that those mnemonic devices can you know bring it back in and help us trigger an awareness that says, oh yeah, that's right, 
I could see peace instead of this. I'm not upset for the reason I think. It's not about the movie I'm watching. It's not about the, the text I just got from my sister. It's not about um, you know, the, the, whatever my bank account has in it or, or, or whether or not I've been exposed to a virus or you know, all the stuff that, that you know, anything that involves guilt, individuality, space, and time, you know, to go back to that little mnemonic device. Um, it could be any, anything that we find helps us get our mind above the battleground with Jesus. doesn't mean that we stop doing the things in the world that we would normally be doing, but we do them with Jesus instead of, instead of just on our own with the ego, you know, picking up the sword and, and slashing and burning and trying to make our way through a, a dark maze. Earlier, um, um, I think what we read kind of reminded me of, you know, not only above the battleground is such a great metaphor, but I think a, a maze, you know, like a, like a little mouse yeah. maze. Um, because each one of those little, little um, rectangular or square compartments of the maze, it seems to be isolated and cut off, kind of like an office, you know, a sea of cubicles in a, yeah. in a corporate office. You know, we, we think we're all separate. And now, now with the, the, the quarantine and, and the uh, social distancing and all that, it seems, you know, like that's on steroids, you know. Um, and yet, in truth, bodies never join and minds are always joined, and, and the Course keeps reminding us, so now we have a, really a golden opportunity to look at that big time and see how we really can, just like we're doing right now, reach out. Uh, we, we seem to be using a tool called Zoom and, and various technologies to, to talk to each other, but it's really, it's just um, one mind talking to itself, taking the form of, you know, a couple dozen people, <laughs> or whatever it is, sharing, you know, something that we find helpful and inspiring. It's never left the mind. We're all we're all walking mnemonic devices. Abby, did you have something? <laughs> I was just thinking of my favorite mnemonic device that my sister and I use is Jaffo, J-A-F-F-O. Just another friggin' forgiveness opportunity. <laughs> oh, you had added an adjective to it. I, I hadn't. I hadn't got the the extra F in my. I actually have a, a T-shirt that I made up with with Jaffo on it from from Gary's stuff. With, that's superimposed over a, a, a NASA photo of the Earth from space. And uh, I figured that, that was a good reminder. So speaking of reminders, so whenever I put that shirt on, it's like, oh yeah, everything I see on the whole planet is just another forgiveness opportunity. But, but you can use whatever <laughs> adjective you like, of course. Of course, of course. <laughs> However many expletives you want to add in there. And um, I, as, we, as we practice what you're talking about, Bruce, we, it extends. What we're doing in here, it extends. Instead of creating more, um, what the world is all about is creating more disconnection, more ego, mm -hmm. more, you know, separation. So as we join together in love in that, in, in this, we're actually extending. And it's, it's, it's really... I can really sense that happening now in these. It's like your learning is my learning and my learning is your learning and all the other, you know, it's just, it's, it's like, it's not in, it's very cool. <laughs> yeah, it is, isn't it? And, and, and it kind of ties into that idea that, you know, we, in, in truth, the extension that you're talking about is, is really, um, you know, reflected in, in the idea that, that when you share an idea, you strengthen it. Whereas if you share something physical, it seems to be divided. Just like the cubicles in that, that dark maze, you know, that you take this one light that's above the maze 
above the battleground and then you, you try to, you know, force it into where it doesn't belong in duality. And then you've got all these little separate selves and separate bodies and separate cubicles and separate houses and separate da 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 da. <laughs> and no, you know, it's it's pretty insane when you think of what we what we're trying to achieve with duality, and and how it's you know, it's it's uh, it's doomed. But we don't have to take it seriously because it's a dream, and that's I think where the beauty of the course that that uh, you know ties into that that uh, thing that Ken was talking about is its purpose of because we we can choose a different purpose. Uh, we can add to the Eastern mysticism that says that, you know, the illusion of separateness is, is silly. Um, but the reason it's silly is because we never threw God under the bus. We never shattered perfect oneness. We never really made this, this dark maze or labyrinth of, of cubicles and quarantined homes and bodies and, and isolated seemingly silly separate selves. <laughs> it's just, it's just a humongous, unimaginably photorealistic, colossal, 3D holographic dream that we took seriously. <laughs> and, and, and it seems to be a, a gigantic war, you know, covered over by a veneer of, of uh, civilization. But when we look at the ego, honestly, it's like, you know, it's, it's mean, ugly, and nasty, but it's, it's a mean, ugly, nasty dream character. It's great special effects. I mean, the special effects that we, we have in this world, you know, would put all the other uh, CGI houses that make all the great movies with the, you know, all the amazing visuals and, and, and production values to shame, if even put them all together. And we're doing this 24 seven with, with, uh, with our mind. And, and we, because our minds are so powerful, we, we believe that we actually pulled it off. And, and yet it's just this, colossal dream I mean it, and when, if you can think about that it's like I think that's why Jesus says you know if I were to you know take away your power of, of, of choice that would be violating the most fundamental of the law there is the law of cause and effect because once we realize that we all was have the power to choose against the ego's insanity um, you know then we're home free that's that's because the, the locus of control is back in the, in the mind in our decision maker and that choice to choose against the ego's insanity is always there and to choose for the Holy Spirit is always there. And that's the same decision. Any other comments so far? Should we read a little more or any other comments at this point? No? Okay. Anybody want to read? Uh, uh, we read three, right? Should, should we do uh, paragraph four? Anybody volunteer for that? On um, chapter 23, first section? Jenny? Brother, the war against yourself is almost over. The journey's end is at the place of peace. Would you not now accept the peace offered you here? This enemy you fought as an intruder on your peace is here transformed before your sight into the giver of your peace. Your enemy was God himself, to whom all conflict, triumph, and attack of any kind are all unknown. He loves you perfectly, completely, and eternally. The Son of God at war with his creator. As, sorry, I'll start over again. The Son of God at war with his creator is a condition as ridiculous 
as nature roaring at the wind in anger, proclaiming it as part of itself no more. Could nature possibly establish this and make it true? Nor is it up to you to say that what shall be part of you and what is kept apart. Nor is it up to you to say what shall be part of you and what is kept apart. Any thoughts, Judy? Well, an interesting thing happened to me. When I read um, He Loves You Perfectly, Completely, and Eternally, I've been resisting the idea that I was afraid of love, especially in maybe these last couple of weeks. And when I read that, I thought, I don't think I'm going to be able to resist it anymore. <laughs> Darn. Yeah, I, I, I think looking at our resistance can be really helpful and forgiving that. I, I, I worked with a, a dear friend named Leonard Lasco uh, several years ago when I lived in Southern Oregon, and he would do workshops on, on forgiveness. And uh, he wasn't really a course student per se in terms of his primary emphasis, but he was familiar with it. And what, but one of the things he did in his workshops that I, was, I thought was really cool was he said, well, you know, he would, he would you know, take the, the specifics that people had forgiveness issues with and, and have people do work individually and dyadic work and, and that sort of thing. And, and you know, a lot, of, a lot of good things come from that, but, but with the emphasis on getting back to the cause and the mind. But one of the things he said that stuck with me is, is uh, um, you know, maybe you're not ready to forgive yourself or another person. You know, it really is ultimately you know, in my mind if I'm having something that needs forgiveness. Yeah. But maybe I can forgive my resistance to whatever this this it's such an excellent suggestion yeah yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and that i think that and this kind of ties into the what a couple lessons past this one that 95 you know the willingness to forgive ourselves for our lapses in, in discipline and then our lapses in, in mindfulness you know it's a huge part of it. it's just to if we can you know stop the condemnation of ourselves in by, by whatever means um you know, we're basically saying, I'm, I'm willing to suspend the war against myself. I'm willing to, and then Jesus says, you know, don't, do not fight yourself. And, and obviously, whenever we're fighting ourselves, guess, guess which thought system is working. <laughs> and we don't have to, you know, the ego is always kind of confrontational and always tries to, to put up a fight. And so if we, if something seems to be in our face, um, that's usually a clue as to which thought system it is. But, but the, uh, the peace that comes there is gentle. Never, it's never being pushed. It's always just like a lighthouse, waiting patiently to, for us to notice the light. Yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, I was reflecting on um, this is section one, just before he launches into <laughs> the laws of chaos. Mm -hmm. So, but I mean, like in paragraph three, he's, he he goes all Muji. It's this is nothing, 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 <laughs> nothingness, nothingness, nothingness. And then in this paragraph, it's all silly. It's all ridiculous. You know, I mean, just don't even sweat it. <laughs> but and then he tells us what we think we did <laughs> in those five laws of chaos. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. And the laws of chaos, you know, just are so much about trying to, you know, take what what's uh, what's true and 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 hide it, deny it, and then make up our own laws that, that have to do with, oh, I'm, I'm always uh, the victim of things. And, um, you know, it, it's, all, it's, it's a warfare. It's, a, it's a, the laws of warfare, isn't it? Yeah. 
The other thing that I noticed in that last paragraph was I was thinking that, uh, um, you know, how ridiculous it is. That's one of the words that was used. And, and if we can imagine, you know, perfect oneness, this, you know, it's unlimited light, if you will, metaphorically. And each of us seems to have, uh, as, it, as seeming individuals, has broken off, had broken off a little, you know, piece of that, we thought. Um, and then it's kind of like, you know, pulling a, a dark hood over our, our heads, you know, we hoodwinked ourselves. And, and they say, well, where's, where'd the light go? <laughs> but we're all kind of doing the same thing, you know, stumbling around with, with you know, these hoods over our head and, and wondering where the light went. But, but in, in, in truth, you know, that never happened. So it's almost like if we were to use a, 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 a metaphor, it'd be almost like the, that those little seemingly separate selves would be like little microscopic dots in this giant ocean that, you know, are not even big enough to be atoms, you know, in that infinite ocean. And, and yet we think that somehow we pulled it off because our minds are powerful enough to make a shield that seems to not let in much light. But then he tells us, you know, maybe, you know, foolproof from the ego standpoint point, but it's not God proof. And there's always a little, a little sliver of light, a little glimmer that, uh, you know, we, we always know when we're not at peace, that there's another way. I mean, even, even however dimly, we always know that there's a way to get out of it. And I think we know that there's a way uh, to be a little bit more mindful all the time. And, and to be gentle with ourselves is, is I think a huge part of that because that gentleness and the willingness to, to forgive ourselves um, lifts us above that battleground and, and pulls that <laughs> wolf back off our eyes a little bit for each time. Anyone want to read the next one? Jean? Thanks. You're muted. Yeah. There you go. The war against yourself was undertaken to teach the Son of God that he is not himself and not his father's son. For this, the memory of his father must be forgotten. It is forgotten in the body's life. And if you think you are a body, you will believe you have forgotten it. Yet truth can never be forgotten by itself. And you have not forgotten what you are. Only a strange illusion of yourself, a wish to triumph over what you are, remembers not. Any thoughts on that, Jean? Um, I mean, to me, I guess it's the paragraph before this where, you know, it speaks of us being at war with our creator is a condition as ridiculous as nature roaring at the wind in anger, mm -hmm. proclaiming it as a part of itself no more. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's such a, it's such a tool to bring us back to what, you know, that's so beautiful. And I forget that. I just forget it. And I, I hanker in that you know, that I'm not myself and I'm not my father's son and I am. And it, it just, you know, it's just such a reminder, you know, we'll pick up a few phrases here where I'll remember and, I, and it's lovely. It's just lovely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. When, when we really do forgive ourselves or, or, or forgive our resistance, you know, the, the peace is always, always there. The light is always there beyond the, 
the, the wool we've pulled over our own eyes and, 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 and even with the wool pulled seemingly fairly tightly, we're, we're, our basic essence is still light, even though <laughs> we don't want to think that as egos. Um, and so, you know, we can't completely extinguish that. So, so even, even these little, little seemingly dark specks bumping around in, in the darkness that we think we made up, um, they're, the, the, the happy inevitability is that we'll all wake up from that silliness. Yeah. There was a, a Stephen King series called The Gunslinger, and, and they're sort of a samurai bunch, spiritual warriors stuff, and, um, and uh, whenever somebody stepped out of their integrity as one of those warriors, as one of those gunslingers, they, the line was similar to line... Um, three here in paragraph five, it is for, no, not that, two, for this, the memory of his father must be forgotten. And in Stephen King's book, it was, if you stepped out of line, if you, if you went off <laughs> the, the, you know, your path, you've forgotten the face of your father. You've forgotten the face of your father. You've forgotten the face of Christ, <laughs> but certainly in, in respect to this, you forgot you you forgot god you the memory of you forgot the memory of your father which is another phrase for the holy spirit that kenny certainly equates that the memory of heaven the memory of our father is is the holy spirit but we've forgotten that face yep yep kind of ties into the authority problem that the course talks about us you know we we think we're these rebellious prodigals that you know so John Wayne, I can do it on my own, you know, <laughs> you know persona. And, and uh, yet every time we do that, if we're honest with ourselves, well, that hasn't really worked out that well. <laughs> and, you know, with all our, all our little solitary battles, you know, haven't really achieved what we thought they would. And, and of course, the ego likes to cover that up. And, and by, by ever-shifting you know, facades basically says, okay, let's, let's, well, that one didn't work, but let's try this one, you know, change the, change the product of the day. And, uh, you know, you know, same, same sales pitch, but, but different merchandise uh, and form, but the content's the same. And, uh, you know, as, as long as, as long as it can make it seem like this is different. Oh, well, I, I haven't tried that permutation on, on the dream yet. Uh, let me try that one. See if that works better. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, you know, as, as uh, silly egos, we try it, but, but there's a part of us that always knows, you know, this might not work that well either, <laughs> but, but we can, you know, slowly but surely forgive ourselves. And you know, the exhaustion of that. Oh yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. It really leads to thinking there is a better way yeah. because it truly is when I'm in exhaustion, I mean, I have to, it's almost like my clue to, there is this better way. <laughs> Just stop for a moment and, and, you know, listen to that inner kindness teacher and, and just say, okay, Holy Spirit, what would you, uh, what would you like me to, to consider <laughs> or not consider as the case might be. Yeah. Going back to that True Color song, when, when I hear those young people singing it to me, <laughs> and, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm visualizing Jesus singing it. It's like it, uh, it, 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 the sense of relief that Jesus sees the face of Christ in me. He sees the true color, and I don't have to, like, work at all this darkness. <laughs> I can yeah. just lay it down. <laughs> I can put the sword down. 
I can put the, the phony me down. Exactly. Yeah, and as you're sharing that, Tim, just now, I was, I was flashing on something I remember doing years ago before I ever heard of the course, and, and in fact, it might have been pretty early in metaphysical pursuits or whatever. I remember not, not too long after um, uh, high school, even, I, I would pick up my high school yearbook, and I would look at all the people in my, the class that I went to school with, and I, there was some part of me that knew that there was you know, this perfect essence. And then among them were people that at the time I, I had you know, misgivings about. Um, you know, a couple of my, my friends had stuffed me in a trash can when I was a kid. <laughs> Just stuff like that. And, and, that's like, and I looked at it like, yeah, and then there's, there's you know, behind that, there's, there's you know, a call for love, and even though I didn't have the words for it at the time. But, but I knew that there was some <laughs> redeeming quality. You know, there, was, there was something beyond that. And, and and over the years, I you know, every once in a while I'd run across that, that book and I pull it out, and and the, the quality and the, the feeling of being able to release my projections got a little deeper each time. If that makes sense, just just kind of looking at all the, the people that I thought, you know, and then, and then of course what, another thing that re, uh, reaffirmed it too was going to a couple of high school reunions, and, and some of the people I thought were like, <laughs> what. What was what was I thinking about them? They actually turned out about to be pretty nice, you know. <laughs> and it's amazing how somehow you know that uh, some of those things, you know, the rough edges get worn off, and then you realize, hey, they were actually pretty nice folks, you know. But but I, at the time, I had you know a different opinion. But I think I think we can again use those anything that crosses our path as a way to to look at um, you know what am I projecting? What am I thinking about everyone right now? What am I able to undo if I can use the, the current grievances as a, as a way to get back to the mind and, and ask Holy Spirit to you know, see it differently. And, and, you know, drop the war, look at the sword, look at the flamethrower and say, whoa, when did I pick that up again? <laughs> the, the least well, I, I'm, I'm still stuck on being put in a trash can. <laughs> That's such a great metaphor for like what we did to ourselves. <laughs> we oh, yeah. stumped ourselves in a trash can. And my friends did it to me. It wasn't even my enemies. It was my friends. <laughs> uh, yeah, I hadn't even thought of it. Thank you for that, Tim. I, 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 have, I have worked through that a few times. It's not something that I think about a lot, but every once in a while, I'll, I'll you know, think things like that. It's like, Oh yeah, but anyway, that's that's a great you know, metaphor as well as a an opportunity. Yes. Hey Tim, the, the ironic thing is I paid them both to do it. <laughs> no, D Dave, you're off the hook on that because that was that was before I knew you. So that was pre seventh grade. Just kidding, kidding, just kidding. <laughs> you're off the hook on that one. Okay, cool. <laughs> Anyone for the next paragraph? I'll read it. Okay. The war against yourself is but the battle of two illusions, struggling to make them different from each other. In the belief, the one that conquers will be true. There is no conflict between them and the truth, nor are they different from each other. Both are not true. And so it matters not what form they take. What made them is insane, and they remain part of what made them. Madness 
holds out no menace to reality and has no influence upon it. Illusions cannot triumph over, uh, over truth, nor can they threaten it in any way. And the reality that they deny is not a part of them. Uh, that reminds me of um, the, the atonement that says nothing not of God can affect us in any way. Nothing not of God can affect us in any way. Exactly. And the, the you know the war against the self, the, the the one that is believing I'm the home of sickness, darkness, sin, whatever, the one that's believing it is as illusory of what it as what it believes. There, you know, he's just saying they're both illusions. The you that's making it is nothing, and the nothing it's making is nothing. <laughs> As Tim said, it's all nothing, nothing, nothing. Yeah. Our only only choice is 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 to choose to go beyond it. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't matter what side of the the illusory fence the dream figures seem to be on, does it? <laughs> nope. And we 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 can't bring them together. I mean, the two worlds don't meet. They there is no way to bring that together, which is, uh, you know, a common attempt of, of psychology somehow, but <laughs> it just never works. There's yeah. only, there is only one way and it's another way. It's different than all the ways we've tried. Right. Yeah, exactly. As you were sharing that, I was thinking a couple of things. One, one is that, you know, the cognitive dissonance that the course uh, uses, unlike probably a lot of other psychotherapy approaches, is it doesn't try to reconcile uh, illusions. Right. I mean, illusion A equals illusion B equals illusion C ad infinitum. Right. Um, there's, there's really no point in, you know, trying to make dream characters uh, <laughs> figure, it all, figure it all out on that level. But, but there is a point in choosing uh, away from the dream to reality. And that, that's through forgiveness. I think that's what Jesus is saying. In any given moment, you can use the specific illusions that seem to be at war with each other and use that as a, a memory jog device to get back to the mind and say, oh, I could, I could take uh, yep. Jesus' rope ladder from his eternal helicopter and climb up above whatever battleground I think I'm in and uh, <laughs> see it a little differently and just see the silliness of, of the warring parts. Another thing that came to mind as you were sharing that, Lynn, was, was um, uh, a couple of years ago, so, well, five years ago, I guess when the, the movie Inception came out, um, yeah. shortly after that, I wrote a little blog post on ACIM blog about Inception. In fact, a couple of them because it, it triggered so many interesting ideas that related to the, the course of metaphysics. And about that time, I had run, run across this YouTube video of um, uh, this lady named, a uh, singer named Fiona Apple. And I'll, I'll, put, I'll share the link. Uh, yeah. And she, she did uh, a, a version of George Harrison's uh, uh, song, you know, Nothing's Gonna Change My World. Um, mm -hmm. And in, in this video, it's, it's really pretty cool. I mean, talk about the, you know, the, the calm center of the cyclone. In this video, you know, metaphorically, she's sitting, singing this song um, in this old diner. And this diner apparently has been, the way they probably set up the music videos, they probably found this place that was scheduled for demolition. And then they had, you know, they had all these people coming in with, 
with wrecking equipment and crowbars and, and just smashing the crap out of the place basically and, and all this broken glass and stuff and everything was flying around and she's just placidly singing and it doesn't it doesn't suggest on the level of form that you know when the world is crazy you don't do anything but i think that inwardly if we can remember to be calm and to remember that there's a peaceful center in in spite of you know all the busy doings and the stuff in the world that we were so in, engaged in um that we can remember just to find that center of peace and that place of calm no matter what seems to be going on um and then practice that more and more and generalize that um you know it, it starts to kick in more frequently and that's definitely that yes yeah, we um we talked about when we did chapter five the end of uh chapter five time in eternity says you're you're only in time because you believe you're in time but you can step into eternity anytime you want to you know it's always there just like peace is always there just like everything we could ever want is always there but we keep the war going just so that we can keep keep healing apart you know, check out barnes he's in healing. the middle of a whole swirling cosmos <laughs> He's oh, fine. Wow. <laughs> He's the got the whole thing spinning around his head. He's fine. <laughs> Lactic Barnes. Any comments, Barnes? I think that's uh, NGC 2906 Galaxy. Cool. cool. All right. <laughs> Taken from the Hubble. Neat. It's it cool. You're only going where no one has gone before. <laughs> Let's see. Do you have time for one more paragraph? Bruce, will you will you send the Fiona Apple link? Yeah, I sure will. Yeah, link. It's, it's a fun one. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I was reading about her yesterday. So. Oh, really? Oh, really? She, yeah, she's got a, a new a new album out. Oh, okay, okay. Which is supposedly outstanding. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool, cool. Yeah, I think you'll like it. Um, and maybe you could send the um, the True Colors link when you run across it. Yeah, that'd be fun. Uh, any, anyone else for another paragraph? I think we... Oh, as a plug for the seminar this weekend, <laughs> if you go to the website and you pull up the post on the seminar, that video is... Oh, I, put okay. it, I put it on that post. Perfect, perfect. So it's right at the top of all the posts. It's the Saturday seminar, and that video is on that post. Excellent, excellent. Well, tell you what, how about if we go to it's in chapter five, one, one of the ones that we didn't read the other day in chapter five, that might make a good, good meditation. And let's see, page 83, I think it is. Yeah, here we go. This is one that we, we have a, a Wednesday online study group and we, and uh, this will be familiar to, to Dave and Jonathan because we usually read this as a closing meditation or frequently do. So how about, how about uh, we'll take a moment and we'll close our eyes and relax and, and uh, let, uh, let this soak in. <laughs> how can Thanks, you... Bruce, or, you want to give the page reference to that? Oh, sure, sure. It's uh, page 83 and this is chapter 5. And section four, paragraph eight, the last paragraph before section five. Thanks. So, how can you who are so holy suffer? 
all your past except its beauty is gone and nothing is left but a blessing. I have saved all your kindnesses and every loving thought you ever had. I have purified them of the errors that hid their light and kept them for you in their own perfect radiance. They are beyond destruction and beyond guilt. They came from the Holy Spirit within you, and we know what God creates is eternal. You can indeed depart in peace because I've loved you as I loved myself. You go with my blessing and for my blessing. Hold it and share it that it may always be ours. I place the peace of God in your heart and in your hands to hold and share. The heart is pure to hold it and the hands are strong to give it. We cannot lose. My judgment is as strong as the wisdom of God in whose heart and hands we have our being. His quiet children are his blessed sons. The thoughts of God are with you. Thank you all. On a quick note, the, that paragraph you just read, Ken, the way Ken describes that, he, especially in terms of this idea of Jesus singing to us, he describes that paragraph as the first time in the Course where Jesus is singing to us. Mm. He calls it an aria. Jesus does that a lot in Chapter 8, but this is the first time Ken thought he was actually kind of singing this paragraph to us. <laughs> oh, neat. I, I hadn't heard that part before. That's, yeah, that's cool. pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Yeah. Right, the symphony. Thank you, Bruce. Uh, yeah, good job. Thanks, thanks Bruce. Thanks, thanks, Bruce. Bruce. see you on Sunday. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you.